Hey friend, welcome to Girls' Night, where we work through life's biggest decisions and transitions together. I'm your host, Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I'm so glad you're here. Friend, I'm so excited because today we're starting a brand new series on the Girls' Night podcast. The series is called How She Does It. And in it, we're sharing profiles of women that we look up to. Here's what I've been learning over the last decade or so. Women, including myself, feel an intense pressure for their lives to look a certain way. And it can be honestly crushing. It's even more crushing to glance around at the women ahead of you and for it to seem like they're somehow doing it all without breaking a sweat. So that's what these episodes are here to help us with. About once a month, I'm gonna have a woman come on the show and talk through the story of why she is who she is today. We'll hear everything from the pressures and pushback she faced to what she's had to give up to be where she is today. We'll also talk about the things that she does do, or maybe more importantly, the things she doesn't do to make it all happen. I'm so excited because our first How She Does It profile is with my guest, Jasmine Roth. Jasmine is a California-based designer and builder. You might recognize her from her HGTV show, Help, I Wrecked My House. I've been following Jasmine and watching her show for years now, and I absolutely love the work she does. In this conversation, you'll hear about her job as a designer and a builder, but you'll also hear about her time in corporate America, the areas of life where she's needed to ask for help, her battle overcoming mom guilt, her experience with going to therapy, her best tips for having success, and so much more. My hope is that by hearing what life looks like for different women and starting with Jasmine, you'll be able to see women who are living in beautifully unique ways that are all their own and feel permission to do the same. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. 
And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. Friends, I am so excited for who you get to meet today. I'm sitting here with my new friend, Jasmine Roth. Jasmine, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. I'm excited to be here. This is so fun. Um, So for women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, which I feel like that's like not that many, uh, but tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself. Ooh, okay. Coming in hot with the... uh... (laughs) <laughs> With the introduction, I like I it. I know, I know. <laughs> so uh, yeah, my name is Jasmine Roth. And I think most notably people might know that I have a TV show on HGTV. I am the host of a show called Help, I Wrecked My House. And that. I've had uh, four seasons of that show. It's my own show. And two seasons of another HGTV show before that. So I've had six years of um, HGTV stardom, if you will. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I live in Southern California with my husband and my three and a half year old daughter. And we spend our winters in Utah. So I'm in Utah right now, actually. Okay. It's snowy here. (laughs) I'm in Tennessee and it's snowy here too. It is. Right. It's snowy everywhere. Yes. It is wild. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so I build houses. I was a home developer before I started my TV show. And I do a lot of um, new construction build actually outside of my TV show because my TV show is mostly renovations. So home design, um, home building, lifestyle, right? Like everything that has to do with building your happy. That's kind of what I'm all about and what I have 
um, built my entire company around over the last... Well, I've had my company for 11 years now. So... <laughs> um, yeah. And then, okay, a fun fact, because <laughs> how long you've had a company, that's not the fun fact. Um, my hmm, fun fact, uh, I once performed an NBA halftime show. <laughs> what? I was a performing acrobat um, for most of my childhood. And I was on a team. And I lived in rural Virginia, which is actually where I grew up. And we got booked to do a Washington Wizards halftime show. And so, yeah, you know, when you like go to the basketball game and the NBA and uh-huh. there's everybody gets up to like go to the bathroom and have their snacks and stuff. And those people go out on the court and they do a show. That was me. <laughs> in, in my head, when you said that I performed at a halftime show, I went, please say juggling. Please say juggling. Like <laughs> I, and I almost said it. I should have said it out loud. It's not, this, I mean, unless you're like, a magic juggler, but like, are you a gymnast? No, or I was a gymnast. Yeah. Uh, yes. And an acrobat is like person on person balancing. So it's a lot of what you see in cheerleading, but like minus the cheerleading, right? Okay. So you're like doing a lot of tumbling and like the, you know, you see people stacked on top of each other and doing handstands and flying in the air and flipping and doing all that. So yeah, that's my fun fact for the day. <laughs> that is wild. That is wild. Um, I, okay, I'm so happy to know that. Now I'm like, I'm like knocked off course. Focus, Stephanie. Um, <laughs> so I'm so excited to to get to talk to you today. We are doing something new. I kind of mentioned this. We were, we're doing something new on the show that we haven't done before, but I've wanted to do for a really long time. Um, we're talking about, I want to do kind of behind the scenes, the story um, of women who are living in really beautiful and unique ways. Um, And I want to do that because I think so many of us feel this intense pressure that we are supposed to be somewhere in our lives by a certain point or have like hit this milestone or this is the way things are supposed to look. And it can be in really big ways like I'm supposed to get married and have three kids to small ways like I'm my house is supposed to look like this. I'm supposed to have this kind of job or I'm supposed to spend my day this way. And I think that when we can see examples of women living in all kinds of different ways, it helps us get more creative with our own lives. And then also when we see women who are succeeding and have six years of HGTV shows and an amazing company, we picture like, or we think, well, she must be doing it all. And therefore I am like extra falling short. But I just know that that's not actually what's happening behind the scenes for any of us. And so um, I just have like a thousand questions to ask you to hear more about your life. (laughs) I'm honored to be included in that group of women because that's really cool. And I also can't wait to listen to the other women that you interview because I mean, as much as it's nice to hear my own story, I love hearing from other women. And, you know, that's what this is all about, right? Girls' Night, like sharing our experiences, figuring figuring it out because none of us have it all figured out. Yes, exactly, exactly. I, it's, I'm so glad to do this series because I find myself wanting to like corner every woman I see and be like, who takes care of your kids? And how do you pay for right. that? And like, how did you get to where you are? And who are you disappointing by being who you really are? And like all these, I have all these questions. So now we have a format for them and <laughs> here we are. I think it's so fun because honestly, I find myself cornering women and asking the same thing, especially so as an HGTV host, there are only so many people that have a job that is the same as my job. And if you work for HGTV and you have a TV show, 
you're filming that show, usually where you live, or you're traveling cross country, and everybody's geographically not near each other. So once in a while, HGTV will have an event where we're like all together, we'll have a big competition show or something where we're all together. And I swear, I use the entire time. I'm just asking, okay, so how do you, how, how many hours a day are you working? And how do you do, how do you keep your website up? And where, who is watching your kids? That's always the question I ask. Who the heck is watching your kids? Yes. It's a lot. And so, yeah, I'm totally with you on trying to like peel back that veneer, that social media perfection that we all see and we all do it, right? Mm -hmm. It's fine and it's great, but that's not real life. And there's no way, nobody wants to see real life on social media and you can't because then your whole life would just be posting on social media. Exactly. (laughs) But um, I think that there is a lot that is left out. And I think it's the things that are left out that make us feel bad about ourselves. And so if we can clear the air and just be honest about how we're doing, then I think everybody can at least have a chance (laughs) to be a little bit happier. Like that. That is the commercial for these episodes. (laughs) I love that. Yes. Okay. I'm glad this is making sense to someone else. I told you, you're our first one. So um, (laughs) Jasmine's our guinea pig. Tell me to start off with, Tell us about a time in your life when you felt stuck or lost or behind or like you were falling short of expectations in an area of your life. Um, Every day. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think, you know, I've been posting a lot right now about my health journey that I've been on the last couple of years. And that has definitely been... I had a herniated disc in my neck Thanksgiving of 2022. So a little over a year ago now, you know, a year and a couple of months, I just like couldn't move. And then I woke up Christmas day and I really couldn't move. And so this is a a holiday centric injury, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Thanksgiving, New Year's Day, I went and got my MRI. It was great. But um, truly, you can't make this up. But yeah, and it was um, something that completely caught me off guard. And it rocked my world. So I think, you know, that's something that I've been talking about a lot lately. But leading up to that, motherhood has been the thing that I thought was going to be like it is on Pinterest (laughs) and truly was not anything like that, only because everything went different than I expected. And I'm such, I've been a person that's been so in control of my own life by adding someone else into that mix who doesn't follow a time schedule and doesn't have any point of reference as far as uh, how things are supposed to go and really doesn't care because they're a baby. Um, You know, it's really, it's given me a whole new perspective as far as what we can control, what we can't control, how we deal deal with stress um, and just letting go because that's been the hardest thing for me. So, you know, I had my baby... Uh, Hazel, she's now three and a half. I had her one month into COVID. And so that was already just off the bat, that was completely different than everything I had ever dreamt of, expected, thought of, trained for, if you will, right? You go to these birthing classes and all these things that you think are going to happen. You have your doula and your photographer and like these None of that happened. None of it. Not a single thing happened the way I thought it was going to happen other than I had a baby. And that was the most important part. So really, um, it was just that time in my life was really hard and it was confusing and it took 
everything in me to keep going and to figure out like what was next. And I think all of us during that time, you know, we felt confusion. Um, but adding a baby to the mix, a newborn, <laughs> was definitely uh, more than I had bargained for. Mine were born in November of 2020. And so okay. I like... I'm you so... Yes. There should be a yeah. club. Uh, there should be. <laughs> there should be a club. When you think about your life in sort of... And, and it might be Hazel being born or like who you are as a mom. But when you think about your most... Your like pokiest, most recurring supposed to of like who you're supposed to be. Like maybe it was the timeline in which your life was supposed to happen. Or maybe it's like every woman in my family does things this way and I'm like sort of the black sheep in this way. What are some of those supposed to's or what is that supposed to of what your life is supposed to look like that comes out most And it's a great question. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, right? We have these preconceived notions. A lot of times they're things we don't even realize. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what what are these limiting beliefs, things that we believe that we just we just assume, we just take them at face value because it's something that's either always been in our life, it's always been presented to us in a certain way, it's something that maybe we're, we think is the way it has to be. And then randomly, <laughs> one day you realize it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Yeah. Uh, for me, my most recent struggle, so I think, you know, when I was younger and I before I was able to start my company, I went to school for entrepreneurship undergrad. Uh, I was a business major. I always thought I was going to start my own company. That was my thing. And um, my dad was an entrepreneur. He had his own company and really instilled in me the beauty of working for yourself. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course, I'm going to work for myself. Well, I graduated from undergrad in 2008. It was a recession. Nobody was hiring and nobody was going to start a company. Like it was not happening. So that was really tough. You know, as young, it feels like a million years ago. It wasn't that long ago, but it, it was long enough. I was young and I was sad. I was bummed that I didn't get to just like leave school and start this super successful company and just like hit the ground running. And instead I had to like go work for somebody, God forbid. But in retrospect, that was the best thing that could have happened to me because I learned a lot. And I was able to take that experience and my time in corporate America and parlay it into a industry that I never expected to be in. I never yeah. thought I'd be in home design. I never thought I'd be in construction. It just kind of accidentally happened. But all that experience from you know answering phones and sending emails and meeting with clients and traveling the country and doing all these things that I did as a consultant in corporate America, um, that really gave me an edge in the construction industry because it wasn't what most people were doing at the time and still mostly aren't doing. <laughs> um, so I think I think that was the first kind of aha moment for me where I was like, oh, I have to start my own company right away. And then that didn't happen. And then it was okay. Another big one, and this one's probably more personal and less business related, but my mother-in-law is a stay-at-home mom and she always has been. My mom, stay-at-home mom. And so when I had my baby and it was time to go to work, it's not that they weren't supportive. I think it was truly that they just didn't quite understand, right? Because they hadn't had that experience. And um, so that was hard, you know, because I had to kind of advocate for myself and say, no, like 
I'm going to go back to work. And anybody that's had a baby and gone back to work, even if you love your job, it's still so hard and you have that mom guilt and you don't, it's, it's hard. And so to, to have to not only explain yourself to yourself and justify this to yourself and make it all better, but to have to like consistently like, no, I'm going to work. Like, no, I'm going back to my job. Like, she's fine. Like, and my mom is, she was our nanny. Like she was there with her, but still it was like, which made it easier for sure. But still there was this kind of, I don't know if they, I know they didn't expect me to stay home, but at the same time, I think they expected me to stay home. You know what I mean? Like, so I think that was a really hard thing to overcome as well. And just um, consistently tell myself like, just because this wasn't their experience doesn't mean it has to be mine. And there are, there are, trust me, I mean, there are so many benefits to being home with your children. And I am not saying that, you know, it's in any way <laughs> uh, something that someone shouldn't do because I think right. they, there's so many great aspects to it. But I think that everybody's different. And for some people, that's the right answer. And for some people, it's probably not the right answer. I think for me, um, I found myself now somewhere in the middle, right? Sometimes I work a lot and sometimes I'm able to pull back and be a little bit more at home with my daughter. And, but it's been, a, it's been a struggle and a juggling act. <laughs> yeah. I always heard people say mom guilt. And I, I, oh, it's one of those things. I, and I felt this way in like every season of life. Like when people say marriage is hard, I'm like, can you be a little more specific? Because like yeah. I, now I'm just scared of getting married. And I don't know, like if you could just tell me a little bit more, it would calm my imagination and help me like mentally prepare, I think a little bit. When people talk about mom guilt, I always kind of wondered the same thing. Like, what does that mean? I think for me, it's this feeling that like you're harming your kids by being away from them. Like mm -hmm. you're, you're, yeah, that you're, you're doing them a disservice. You're damaging them by being away from them. But like, there's no, the thing that I've had to remind myself of and like really learn and practice is there's not evidence to that. Like there's not having other safe adults, have, getting her getting to have a relationship with her grandmother. That is so special. And like, that's not, they don't need to be like literally attached to us all day, every day in order to be well. And, but that's like, man, even saying that out loud is hard to, I don't know. There's like, it's, a, there's such a pull in the other direction that it's even hard to say that out loud with enough conviction to really believe it, even though like, I know it's true, but it's like, you're convincing yourself and you're convincing other people all at the same time. Even if they don't even have that expectation of you, you still feel it. Right. And you feel like a bad mom, like, even though you're not a bad mom, I think my definition of mom guilt is, you know, somebody said, Hey, what, what do you mean by mom guilt? is that like literally physically in my body, I have this pull to be with my daughter. Hmm. And I want to be with her all the time. And I don't know if that's a societal thing or uh, actual like anatomy thing, like biological thing. But what happens is, is anytime that I'm away from her, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. And of course, like you said, you're justifying, you're saying, I'm not doing something wrong. Like she's with her grandma. I've been, I just drove away from the house. I've been gone for 10 minutes. I'm going to the store to buy food that we all need so that we can be healthy and eat. Yet somehow I feel bad about going to the grocery store. Like that can't be right. So mom guilt to me is an illogical, uh, you know, un, it, it's just not based in any sort of reality 
mm-hmm. but it's something that it just happens. And I and every person I've spoken with who has gone through that, every person has gone through this that's had a baby. And it's on varying levels and in different ways. But yeah, for me, it's kind of like everything I do is wrong. And that's a really crappy feeling, <laughs> especially if you're not used to doing things that are wrong, right? I'm a, a you, I know you say this all the time, you're a people pleaser, right? I am, I am a people pleaser, but I'm also one of those, I'm like a teacher's pet. Like I may not be a, t- a people pleaser. Like I don't mind bucking the system a little bit, but at the same time, I want to be in people's good graces and I want to be the best at whatever it is I'm doing. And so to drive away from my house to go buy groceries and have this feeling in the pit of my stomach that I'm doing something wrong, even though I know I'm not doing something wrong, that's hard. And that's mom guilt. That is so well said. That is so well said. Um, we're talking about a couple of different things here. We're talking about the the fact that your career didn't start the way that you thought it would, the way that you wanted it to. Um, man, graduating in twenty uh, in two thousand eight. I graduated in two thousand ten, but my husband graduated mm-hmm. in two thousand eight. And it's like it just changes your your who you thought you would be when you came out of school is or the landscape. I mean, it just is like totally different terrain. Um, what did you, but then we're also talking about working in and not being a full-time stay-at-home mom. When it comes to your career and being a mom, how have you figured out like sort of a way that those play together that works best for you? What does that look like? (laughs) It's a moving target. And (laughs) I mean, this is going to sound cheesy, but I do practice gratitude. So I'm one of those people where like the minute I start to feel down on myself, like, shoot, I just graduated from college. I worked my butt off. I have debt. I thought things were going to go this way. Now they're not. Woe is me. I mean, that for me doesn't last very long because I flip that right on its end and I snap out of it. And I say, you know what? I got to go to freaking college. Like what an opportunity. What a oh my gosh, how privileged am I to have even graduated from college and to have the sadness (laughs) of maybe it not going just the way I planned it, you know? And I think so like the minute I flip things on its end like that, it really helps me through a tough time. It gives me that perspective to kind of say, okay, well, what's next? Like, how can I take the opportunities I've been given? How can I take this privilege I have? How can I take whatever it is that seems really sad and, you know, maybe not how I planned and, and use this and grow. And, and so I've done that kind of at every turn of my life. And it's hard sometimes, right? Especially COVID, there's a couple of years in there where it wasn't just new moms, it was anybody. I mean, every single thing changed. And it was some days really tough to find that silver lining. And um, I think, you know, that's that's what it's all about though, right? It's figuring out how to have gratitude, how to feel thankful and gracious and use that to move forward through, you know, no matter what it is that we're up against. And so like being a new mom and trying to figure out, okay, I'm upset, right? Because I have this mom guilt I'm not sure that I feel like I'm letting everybody down, right? If I go to work, I'm letting down my daughter, I'm letting down my mother-in-law, I'm letting down my mother. 
they're going to listen to this and be like, I don't feel that way. <laughs> I know. No, of course they don't. Yeah. No. And then, you know, if I don't go to work, well, then I'm letting down my film crew and my construction crew and my whole team and all the people that I could be helping and building houses for and doing all these things. And your family so, and your finances, and, like. Yeah. And myself. Yeah, my, yeah, exactly. Providing for my family, being a role model for my daughter, but also myself, right? Like that is what brings me joy and happiness and fulfillment in a way that being a mother can't. I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's just different, right? And so I think, you know, trying to navigate this, I'm always wrong. I'm always doing something wrong space. Gratitude has been the way to find that happiness and say, you know what? this is a good problem to have. I have a beautiful daughter that I want to spend time with, right? I have a husband that I actually like (laughs) and he's my best friend and I want to spend time with him. And my mother-in-law and my mother are so involved in my life that they care about what I'm doing. How lucky am I, you know? And so being able to take your trials and your woes and, you know, the things that are stressing you out and flipping them on their end is, it's a skill, I think. It's something that takes practice. So when people say, oh, I'm practicing gratitude, I mean, it sounds so like California. <laughs> it sounds so like goofy, but it's a real thing. And if you can do it in small incremental ways, suddenly you have that skill set to use it when like big things in your life happen. I love that. I love that. Um, I want to back up a little bit because, so I know that things didn't like you went and and did consulting after college. Um, How did this whole progression of like, how did you get into construction? How did you get into TV construction? Like how did, like, what? (laughs) I have no idea. I'm just kidding. (laughs) What did the progression of that look like? So uh, yeah, my story is like a happy accident type of story and, but also like a lot of manifesting. So I was, I went to a co-op school. I went to Northeastern University for undergrad in Boston. And what a co-op school is, is instead of doing like internships while you're studying within your major, you actually go and you do like six month work stints. So you're not going to school, you're just working and you're getting paid, which is really cool. And so when you graduate, you have a year and a half of experience in your major. Also, I should be hired by Northeastern University because this sounds like a commercial. But uh, no, it really is that cool. And so like, I like, do... Everyone's believe, like, I should have gone there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right? I do believe that, you know, um, again, like graduating in 2008, it was really hard. But at least I had that experience. So one of my co-ops, um, I became a real estate agent. I got my real estate license. I worked in a real estate office in Boston. I did mostly um, rentals for like my sorority sisters and friends. and um, But I did sell some condos as well in Boston. And like, it was fun. And I loved it. It was, I loved the hustle. I loved the, just the idea of helping people. I loved real estate. But, um, you know, after school, it, it my license was in Massachusetts and I moved to California. So um, didn't do anything with real estate other than my husband and I, his parents had, um, they said, hey, you know, we had been renting, right? For years and years. And they said, hey, we will help you guys with a down payment on a house. And we were like, that's amazing. So we were looking and we were always looking and we were looking for a while, like a couple of years. (laughs) Um, Because real estate in California is exorbitantly expensive and we, were and we were like, well, we can't like, 
oh, we don't want to have to like get in a car and drive to the beach. We want to be able to ride our bike to the beach. We want to walk to the beach. So yeah, we were being picky and real estate's expensive. But his brother actually um, lived in a home that was built by a local builder in town. And so we ended up talking to this builder and he was like, look, if you buy a piece of land, then you can clear the land And instead of building one house, you can split it. This is just how it works in our city. And you can build two houses and then you sell one of them and it offsets the cost of the house that you then own. And my husband and I were like, cool, let's do it, you know? (laughs) So instead of like moving into a house, like his his parents were like, oh, geez, okay, go ahead, you guys, you know? No, they were actually very supportive and we did have to get a loan in addition to, uh, you know, the money that they had said that they would put towards uh, our home. And it was a really big project. I mean, m- millions and millions of dollars because we're building two multi-million dollar homes on a piece of land that's three blocks from the beach in Southern California. <laughs> so it was ambitious, but we were young and we were, we were just like, yeah, let's do it. We were both also working full-time in corporate America. How did you get a loan that big? Is that like a thing? It's... I mean, now it's not. It was then. Yeah. Um, And we and his parents, they had to, um, they had to vouch for us. They were the, they were the signers on it. So not only did they help us with the down payment, they also um, were the guarantors of our loan. Um, So a lot of faith. Yeah, (laughs) A lot of faith. But they also knew the builder and they were familiar with the area and they were super supportive. I mean, in retrospect, I'm like, dang, like, would I do that? Like, would I, if I was the parent in that situation, like, I don't know. But, um, yeah, it really seemed like they can pull it off. I, I don't know. So, um, but they believed in us and that was probably half the battle right there. And it was also, I mean, we, It was a big risk, but it was also a really big responsibility, which was good, I think, for us at that time. Like, you know, it's easy to get lost in your early, mid, late 20s. (laughs) And to have that project going, I think, gave both of us a lot of purpose and it filled our time and it was helpful. We also learned a lot. And I say we, it was mostly me. Um, My husband, he works for his family company and they own a staffing company. So um, they're doing full time uh, and part-time employment um, for companies all over the United States. And so together, we both were working all the time. And so trying to figure out a time to work on our house uh, was hard. And so I kind of took it on in my spare time and um, started making sacrifices, right? Maybe maybe I'm not going to go... Remember, we're young. Maybe I'm not going to go play that flag football game. Maybe I'm not going to um, go out with my friends or go to the girls' night or whatever it might be that I was like, starting to see, oh, wow, if I can, I can only do this if I give up other things that I want to do. And I think that was a good early lesson. But anyway, so fast forward, and we were two years into our project, the houses were framed, and we were completely stalled. And we couldn't find a designer that we connected with. Um, and so that was hard. It was also, <laughs> it was also the, uh, you know, again, it was a recession. It was 2010, 2011. And so, uh, most small designers had gone to work for big companies or just like gone out of business at that point. Most new construction was completely halted. Um, so it was just a weird time to be building a house. And so we, I ended up doing 
the design myself as much as I could while I was working full time, but we were stalled completely. I was just, I didn't have enough time. I didn't, I couldn't go pick countertops and I couldn't, (laughs) I couldn't go pick countertops and I couldn't, um, you know, choose cabinets and do all these different things. So I ended up leaving my job and (laughs) I gave my, my notice. And two weeks later, I was on the construction site and I just started managing the project. And by managing, it was really more like learning, but taking the organization skills that I had from corporate America and applying them to the construction industry. And so, um, yeah. And that team, like that team that I worked with day one of being in the construction world, um, I still work with them. I still build houses with them regularly. Um, There's still a lot of them are still my, I call my guys, you know, Mm -hmm. they're still my guys. Um, and I knew nothing, right? I went in and I told them as much. I was like, you guys, I know nothing. And now they, we still work together and the roles have reversed a little bit. That is so, I love that so much. And I feel like I had kind of a similar moment, both my husband, but it's a long story, but we got into our own businesses way sooner than we thought we were going to. And it was easier to take some risks, I think, or we we said at the time, our sort of consolation prize in taking the risks that we did was like, well, we don't have kids. We don't have pets. I think we had like a house plant at that time. <laughs> so we're like, oh, really, what do we have to lose? I think um, in some ways, I, I, I want to know if you agree with this. In some ways, now that I do have some house plants and two kids, I still don't have any pets. Um <laughs> But I, I still feel like there's something to be said for taking the risk. Because like, if really things had gone totally awry, you would have noticed and you would have done something different or you would have tried to get your job back or try to get a different job or like, I don't know. I think that maybe that it feels like we're about to fall off a mountain, but like, maybe it's more like a curb. Mm-hmm. Would like, Do you feel like you would take... Do you still take similar or do you still take big risks even though you have like I guess more to lose now than you did back then? Um I think I think that it's measured risk that I take. And I think it's always been measured risk. I think you're right. I think you know a lot of the times the, the things that we think are like these really big risky endeavors again if you take a step back you're like well, wait a minute like how risky actually is this, right? Like yes, we're investing millions of dollars in this case, but the land's not going anywhere. The beach isn't going anywhere. So either way, the land, the land value alone, that's not going to change. Okay. And say we frame the houses and they burn to the ground. Well, we have insurance. Okay. So like, as you start to break it down, you're like, okay, well actually like what, what's the problem? Like, why wouldn't we do this? We can build two houses. And if we don't know if we don't know how, we'll find somebody that does or we'll learn, <laughs> you know? And so I think it's, I think what it is, is betting on yourself and having that confidence to say like, wait a minute, I am a competent, resourceful person and I can do hard things. And this seems really hard, but let me break it down and see if it's actually that hard or if it's maybe just unique. Okay, so what happened? I just, hang on. Let me just get to sit with that for a second. I love that. <laughs> is it actually that hard or is it unique? Um, what happened with the houses? So the houses were built 
and I learned so, so much. It was wonderful. We, um, I got to do two different design styles. I got to invent two different design styles and really, um, you know, spend every single day just learning. And so the houses finished in 2012. Um, right at the end of 2012, we moved in in 2013 to our house and I put the other house up for sale by owner. I mean, I knew how to sell real estate, so might as well. Um, we sold it and I was sad <laughs> when we sold it because I was like, wait, my project is over. What do I do now? Um, and I learned so much from that first project. We made mistakes. It took three and a half years to build what should have taken about a year. We spent money on things, probably shouldn't have spent money on. We didn't spend money on things we should have spent money on. I mean, uh, but at the end of the day, we paid the bank back. We owned a house for a fraction of what we would have paid at full retail. And I was able to prove that I had what it take. what, you know, I was able to prove that I could do that, that I could build houses, that I could design houses, and that even though it wasn't necessarily my area of expertise, I was going to work my butt off and I was going to make it happen. And so I took a small amount of that money that we made on that other house and we, I found family investors again and we got a new loan from the bank because we had paid off our other one and they were like, yeah, y'all did great. Here's a new loan. Um, and that was a great relationship to have and I kept it going. I bought another piece of land. I built two more houses. I bought another piece of land. I built two more houses and I just kept doing that until I had enough of an investment pool of profits that I could drop the investors or lower my line of credit from the bank. And it, yeah, and with that, um, other doors opened, right? Because I was learning so much. I was doing so many different projects and I started taking on clients for free. <laughs> I didn't charge anybody. I couldn't. I just, I didn't have it in me. I was like, I didn't go to school for this. I don't know what I'm doing. But what I realized was, is that I did know what I was doing. I knew a lot. I just didn't necessarily have that like technical training, but that came, you know, that came with years of practice and experience. Um, but yeah, I started taking clients and my clients got bigger and bigger. And my projects got bigger and bigger. And at some point I used blogs all the time. I used Pinterest all the time. I, I was a consumer of content and I loved it. And I, uh, magazines. Oh, I love a good magazine. You open it up, you're, you're thumbing through the pages, if you will. Um, and I realized that I wanted to be on the other side of that. And I wanted to give back to this community of creators who had given me so much because when you don't go to school for something and you have that doubt that's always saying, oh no, you may know what you're doing, but you don't really know what you're doing. What I used to get past that was a community of creators and people that were putting information out there so I could I could read a blog post and I could study it and I could dig in and say, okay, what color paint is that? Or what countertop material is that? Or, um, and I, want, I realized at some point I had enough knowledge or I was doing things that were different and um, unique and novel and that I could share what I was doing and that maybe it would help somebody else. So I started posting... Um, I started, I don't know, I made little videos. Like I redid a, a, a condo in Utah in the middle of a blizzard by myself. I was like, I'm in a blizzard and somewhere on YouTube. I don't know. I need to find that. But um, yeah, and so I started posting and uh, eventually a production company, uh, you know, there was like a junior development 
producer that was looking for new shows. And I had put hashtag beach build on one of my builds. And HGTV had just, they'd been in a development meeting and said, hey, we're looking for shows that have to do with beach builds. And so that's how they found me, hashtag beach build. And um, the rest is kind of history in the sense that I've now, you know, pendulum swing full, full pendulum swing to the other side. I love putting content out there. I, I take photos of everything, which I've always done, but photos of everything. I love sharing sources and resources and just trying to, you know, take this knowledge and help other people feel confident in their skills and the things that they may be interested in, but didn't go to school for. I love that so much. (laughs) Um, What's something that you, this is my favorite question to ask because uh, it's like a hard question to answer, but it's a good question. It's a question that we should all answer. What is something that you are really, really proud of? Not something that like you'd readily post on Instagram, but something that like you maybe would only tell your mom because you'd feel like almost embarrassed to brag about it. (laughs) (laughs) Or something where you were like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Like maybe it's not what someone else would have thought was the coolest thing, but it like really meant something to you. I think um, I'm... I come from a family that suffers from a lot of mental illness, Mm. a lot of addiction. um, And I have a very uh, maybe unexpected childhood story, which I haven't shared yet. And I would like to share at some point um, with, you know, with everyone. But I think being able to... um, sign myself up for therapy <laughs> and uh, speak with a therapist and be open to that. And then also setting healthy boundaries within my immediate family, my extended family. It's been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And it's not something I talk about very often, but it's definitely something that personally I know is the reason for my success. That's really cool. It's it's really hard, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, this is something that has taken years and years and years and years and years and years and years and, and will take my entire life to, um, you know, hopefully figure out. And I know it's something that anytime I sit and I chat with my girlfriends or anybody, really, um, we all have these challenges that we don't really talk about, right? I, unless you have like that as part of your rhetoric uh, for some reason, which most of us don't. We don't just like, oh, hey, how's it going? Well, I had a really rough time with this member of my family and now I've decided to set a healthy boundary, but it's hard because they don't respect it. And, you know, like that's not, that's not how we interact as humans. We're like, oh, I'm good. How are you? Oh, the weather, you know? So I think, you know, being able to, being able to set those boundaries and stick to them and not, it wasn't that easy, right? But uh, over years and years of practice and trying to figure out what the right way to go about dealing with tough situations within a family unit, it's taught me a lot. And it's something that I'm, I'm proud of. And it's not a, it's not a perfect science, yeah. for sure. Um, but I think that, you know, as far as like personal growth goes, that's been the hardest, but also like the most rewarding part of my personal growth. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. 